0: That's it. Good afternoon, everyone. 6th of April 2018, Singerville Google Hangout. <clears throat> a very eminent group of people today for you all. Now, just remember, we're CPD accredited. If you need a CPD certificate, you just have to um, answer a question, which we'll throw at you during the uh, um, show. Send an email, and we send you a certificate. Remember to sign up to the YouTube channel so you receive automatic notifications. And also remember, we are now on podcasts. There it is. So when you're walking the dog tomorrow or you're you're on a plane on holiday and there's no good films on, you can just listen to a Singer VL Google Hangout, send us an email, and you can get all your certificates. Okay, so today we have a slightly smaller team, but we have fantastic guests. Right, so it's me, Neil Singer. I'm not a guest, so I'm not fantastic. This is Dale Henry. Hi, everyone. We have Rob Bold, everyone. Hi. And we have Andy Miles.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Right, so let me just give you a bit of background about the guest. So Rob Bold, who was the CEO of GVA and a senior advisor to the IC Palmer Capital Investment Fund. So you, You set up this Palmer GVA investment Fun, didn't you um, Rob?
2: In and, 2009 yeah.
0: And you're a non-executive director of IPSX which would like which we would like you to talk about because it's so interesting. Okay. Coyote Group which is also interesting. A founder of BHT Energy. I didn't know what that was actually. BHT it's Energy. Wind
2: turbine business yeah. Okay. Wind turbines, renewables.
0: Yep yep and vice chairman of land aid so yeah very very well known in the industry and we're very delighted have you with us rob
2: thank you neil to allow this this aged individual to join you
0: and may i and may i say how nice your headset is because we know they're special right andy <laughs> andy miles co-founder and director of reala and previously with british land and um other things which are i thought the british land reala were the main things really but reality is the main thing isn't it yeah. okay so though we'll come on to the guests in a minute let's talk about what's going on in the market so news news of the news first of all actually i'm going to let dale have a quick review quickly run through things we've got for sale happy with that dale
3: yep very happy with that i'm just going to give you a quick rundown um all the information on our sales is on our our sales site but to give you a very quick overview um so at the moment we're we've got we've got a number of sales in the market the first of which is a very interesting ground lease investment um, in Bolton, which is a multi let industrial estate, average weighted unexpired lease term of around 66 years, um, highly secure investment. We're, we're asking 1.9 million, which is 5%. Um, we've got a number of interested parties at the moment. I'm looking to close it off in the next week or so, but still plenty of opportunity if anyone's interested. And... Um, we also have a retail and residential investment for sale in Fareham. Uh, this is a town centre building, which has uh, let ground floor let on a new ten-year lease with a flat above let on AST, with planning for further residential units as well. Um, and we are asking five hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds, which is a gross yield of six point four percent. In Plymouth, we have a highly secure investment in the town centre with about 70% of the income secured for just under 40 years to a AAA covenant, uh, grand metropolitan estates. So this is is ideal for uh, an investor looking for highly secure income. Um, The weighted unexpired lease terms over 27 years and we're asking £665,000, which is attracted to 7% initial yield. In Rugby, we've got a, a, a freehold retail investment let to Holland and Barrett, as you can see. Um, they've been in occupation since 1999, and we're asking £475,000, which is 6%. We've got a roadside petrol filling station investment in Oxfordshire, prominent on a busy A road, let on a 10 year lease to an established tenant. We're asking 1.15 million, which is eight and a quarter percent, with a guaranteed uplift to 9.34 percent. The next sale is a freehold supermarket investment. Again, as you can see, let to the full co-op group. Um, they've got about ten and a half years remaining unexpired on their lease, uh, with and we're asking um, 2.73 million pounds, six and a half percent. In Torquay, we have a William Hill, which is um, a high yielder, this one, of about 10%, a of lot size, £265,000. And um, William Hill have taken a new lease from 2016, been in occupation for many, many years. In Newport, we have a Clinton's card investment, prime city centre location. Again, they've been in occupation since the 1990s. And again, a high yield, twelve percent, two hundred and forty-five thousand pounds. And we've got a couple of new sales in Scotland. Um, one of which is in Aberdeen, which is a prime shoplet to All Saints, high quality, um, prominent corner unit. Uh, we're asking one point seven million, about seven and a quarter percent. And finally, in AIR, we have a supertrug investment let till May 2021, which provides numerous asset management opportunities. And we're seeking offers in excess of 1.675 million, which is an attractive 11% net
0: initial yield. Great. Great. Okay. News this week. News. Um, I'm going to talk about artificial intelligence, if I may, just for a moment. So, we are associated with the click-to-purchase business, and I'm going to. Sh- I'd like to show everybody something which I know you're going to find fascinating. So, this is artificial intelligence. Once it starts playing, comes to the property market. So, the click-to-purchase business, as people may know is the only place you can buy property online where there's a legal exchange of contract where a digital signature is created. We use encryption and hash technology to create electronic contract notes. The full audit trail and the verification process is recorded in a blockchain ledger. Now we've got, one of the sales channels that we've operated is a a live auction. Or in the past, myself or anybody else operating a click to purchase auction operates in a chat room type environment. We decided to build an addition to that and bring in artificial intelligence, which we've called Gabby, because of course you've got the A, artificial and I intelligence, and you've got Siri and you've got Alexa, so everyone's gonna to get to know Gabby. So now what happens is when we are running or anybody running a click to purchase auction, it can be run by an artificial intelligence. Now the artificial intelligence, the advantage is this, is that it can't make mistakes, it, is, it creates a full electronic um, uh, audit trail, it creates electronic contract notes with digital signatures so it can get recorded in the blockchain ledgers, you've got absolute proof. But beyond anything else is it emulates the traditional auction experience so people bidding i mean i don't like this ebay style auction system personally but here you're being coaxed by an auctioneer and you're used to it as a bidder so it should we believe encourage bidders because it's a process that they're used to but furthermore because it's electronic it is totally beyond manipulation so in theory if i were typing and running a live auction online in theory you know you could pick up the, you could have a phone conversation with a friend and who might say tell me to bid you bid and you knock the hammer down when you've got an electronic system running it is beyond manipulation so we this has just been launched and the other advantage of this click to purchase auction process is it allows people to buy prior and buy post by making an offer in the same way that you would do with a traditional auction room so that has just been that's just gone live about a week ago And we're hoping that that will be used by the industry um, before too long. So we think that the industry is changing very quickly. We'll have to see what happens. But I I do think the physical auction rooms days are numbered. And in fact, it is quite interesting that Allsop's announced today that they were doing some um, eBay-style auctions in the UK, even though I don't like them. At least they're doing them. So it just shows you how the world's going. What's your view, guys? I think I'd say maximum two years and there won't be a physical auction room maximum anyone agree
2: i think you're crazy
0: you think i'm crazy what what i'm too long you think it's quicker
2: no 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 i don't think so i think i think there are people that actually like to use that type of interaction and there are others that actually get something out of the physical experience so i think there's a place for both Mm. What
0: do you think, Andy? Uh,
1: I'm with Rob on that. Uh, Place for both, depending on the size of the deal and how people like to do business. Um, I can definitely see hybrid models where people host offline auctions, but there's also sophisticated online tools for people who aren't present to bid, which is which is a, uh, uh, which gives a much better experience than say telephone bidding. Um, I think you're. Two-year time span is probably uh, too short. Uh, it's probably more like two to five years, maybe ten. Um, but it's definitely happening. I and mean, that kind of trend is only going one way. And I say that in relation to our business uh, kind of adoption of tech generally is, is like the tide. It's 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 a one, it's a, it's a it's a sort of unstoppable force. Um, but at the same time, uh, it takes time. It takes a few years for things to change. They don't tend to change in just a year or
0: two. Okay. Well, I will have a bet with you both that the physical auction room will not be around in two, by the end of 2020. Yeah, I'm,
2: uh,
1: I am convinced. Okay, of,
0: I am convinced of it. A <laughs> new what's set. A new set of headphones. Yeah, what's the
2: bet? Good, mm-hmm. luck, good luck. Good
0: luck. Uh, I, I, no, the reason I say that is. Look, yes, of course, we have a business which um, is trying to challenge that, challenge the traditional boardroom model. But I don't see the economics of running a physical auction room anymore. I mean, I went to an auction last week. It was full of dealers, full of dealers. And the private investor must be highly intimidated by what's going on. Yet, if you can bid in the comfort of your computer in a relaxed fashion, why would you go to a ballroom? I don't actually agree that there'll be a hybrid model. I don't think that you'll be bidding on your computer against someone in the room. I don't think that is gonna grow because why would you do that? You're at such a disadvantage to someone in the room. I, I, I certainly wouldn't do it. So I don't, I'm not sure about that. But it's interesting times. So that's right. my view anyway. That's my view, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I, but I, I, cause I take the, you'd look at say what happened to the um, the guilt market or the or the stock market. Why do you need a physical room? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting times, indeed. Right, let's start with Andy. Let's talk all about Riala, everyone. Let me show everyone Riala. And then Riala is uh, over here. Right, there is Riala. Andy. Oh, nice. Andy, there you are.
1: Do you want me to, should I give a brief overview of what we did? Yeah, please do. Yeah, great. Um, so, Riala is a market platform for commercial real estate. Uh, we're solely focused on commercial real estate, not residential. Uh, within Riala, we really have two products. Uh, the first one is the one you're looking at. Um, it's a portal to search for commercial real estate. Uh, we have the biggest availability set in the UK. Uh, and like any other portal, like a RightMove or a Zoopla in residential, it's there to generate leads. Um, Behind the portal sits our second product, uh, which is a software product for agents and landlords, mostly focused around marketing and CRM. Uh, Thank you, Neil, for bringing it up.
0: How about that? Wasn't that clever? Yeah, it's
1: brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, So we call this product a real base. It's a subscription product. Um, It does things like create marketing collateral, so building websites, PDF brochures, email campaigns. Uh, you can distribute those out to all channels, so our portal, also uh, your own website, social media channels, uh, other portals. So we've got tight integrations with uh, uh, Zoopla and Rightmove and, and also PropertyLink. Uh, you can also use the software to manage deals. So you can manage the transaction end-to-end, tracking people through inquiries, viewings through to offers and done deals. Uh, and in a nutshell, that's it. Um, we, uh, we've been around for about three years. The first year spent building software, uh, last couple of years building out our client base. Um, most of that second year was sort of spent building out in the mid-market. So like many software firms, you start with mid-sized customers and prove the concept. And then last year we were really uh, getting into the uh, bigger customers. Um, so now we work with seven of the 10 biggest agencies in the UK, which is fantastic. And, uh, and some really good landlords like Grosvenor, Asal Investment Management, uh, Derwent, uh, Um, We've got about 100 or so clients, um, about 65 to 70 on subscription now. So those are longer term contracts. And of course, those are the type of customers we want. Um, and we're really, we're really just focused on uh, trying to grow the business, trying to grow it steadily and surely uh, without falling over. Where did you get the idea from? Uh, so it was, it was two things coming together, really. Uh, good question. Um, I was at British Land. I met my now business partner, Ian. He built a portal in the residential space called Globricks, uh, which had been quite successful. Um, got to about 2 million users a month. And at that point, it was uh, bought by an entity which eventually ended up getting rolled up into Zoopla. Um, so his, his early portal ended up becoming part of Zoopla. And it was a it was a successful experience for him um, not so wildly successful that he retired to the caribbean for all time um, but it uh, put some money in his back pocket and he was looking for the next venture and he thought the commercial space was very badly served from a portal perspective so that's where the genesis of the portal idea came from um, we also we felt that it wasn't enough to just do that we needed to have a, a marketing product in the background to provide value from day one, uh, so that's that's where the whole marketing automation suite grew out of. Um, and of course, the the two sides of the business we view as synergistic, because if you're using the marketing suite, you generate extra inquiries off the portal, uh, and we also use the portal to up- upsell the other tools. Um, and that model of having a portal supported as well by agency tools is is quite common so zoopla for example has a business called property software group which sells software tools to agents uh, zillow does in the united states rea group does in australia uh, immobilien scout 24 in germany does so it's quite you think of portals as portals but often they uh, portal businesses with other services other value-add services that they sell wrapped around them and that's what Reality is it's a it's a portal but with value-add services wrapped around it which we sell
0: how many um what traffic do you get uh we are over a hundred thousand users a
1: month now um that's unique if it was sessions it's into the hundreds of thousands Um, It's growing quite steadily Uh, month-on-month. It's quite seasonal, which is interesting. So It crashes right down in December and then bounces back in January. Uh, But generally, it's quite steady. Um, The uh, building traffic is very interesting because you you have to build... It's a real uh, technical challenge. You have to build the site correctly from an SEO perspective so it ranks well. You have to be very patient because ranking that uh, rises over time. Um, Google and the other search engines give credit to longevity. Uh, You have to optimize the pages so they load very fast, for example. Uh, And then uh, if you do all those things correctly, uh, over time, as you spend on marketing, you'll get a better and better ROI on your marketing and spending on marketing will start to pay dividends. If you start spending more money on marketing too early, you won't get the ROI That's where that's where a lot of young portal businesses tend to get it wrong, And we've, we've tried to be very disciplined on that
0: front. Shall I show something interesting? Do you want to see something interesting? Say again? Let me show you something interesting. Investments for sale. Right, Google. I know all about SEO. Singer VL, look, number two.
1: Yeah.
0: Allsops, LSH, Savills. GVA, there's a look, Rob, GVA. So little old Singer VL, we're up here. How do you... Um, how are you going to break into this? Shouldn't, shouldn't have interest? you just think over time. So you're
1: doing individual searches uh, uh, it's to, to, to rank on a, 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 kind of a very popular search term like that. It takes a long time. To rank on long-tail search terms, like pet-friendly office space in the city, or, uh, or pop-up retail space in Manchester, for example is much easier. So we start our SEO battle trying to rank well for slightly more obscure long tail search terms. And you build into the more popular ones. Um, We also get a lot of traffic to our property pages direct. So it takes, if you want to, to give you an extreme example, if you want to rank well on offices for rent in central London, that's the hardest ranking challenge of all, it's also the most expensive because the instant offices of the world and the WeWorks and the Regises and the other brokers are spending a lot of money on keywords and driving up the search terms. Mm. So that, that's, a, that's a challenge that takes a long time to overcome all of it. It's certainly a challenge that takes a long time to get a good ROI on your marketing doing that. Now, if you're looking at say retail or industrial outside of London, much easier to rank well because it's much less competitive.
0: So space. what, should we, should we try one? What, re- can we try one, yeah. I mean, in terms of numbers, oh, you, how, how about this one? Retail investments for sale. let we try that one. Try that. Is it, would you be there? Would you? I mean, I'm just interested. In how are you getting on? Hold on, let's have a look.
1: I can show you our traffic numbers. Shall should we have
0: a look, everyone? Look, retail investments for sale. Hold on, let's have a look, see what happens.
1: Drive for rent,
0: hold on, retail investments for sale. Oh, number two. You know what, um, and you know what occurs to me. If you want to get, if you want to get up the rankings quick, there's always a price for the agency. You know that, don't you? There's always a price.
1: <laughs> but it is actually. It also it's a,
0: it, it, it is. Um, so Neil, how much traffic do you
1: get across your site?
0: Well, we don't get. I tell you what, we don't get a hundred thousand uh, a month. I, I know that much um i mean we don't you've got all the agents haven't you've got 100 clients now but we probably i mean we get something like we get something like a thousand a day i would say it's it it, again it is seasonal okay but we get a we get something like like a thousand a day but what's interesting is 20 you're
1: you're focusing on a very specific niche which is investments we're trying to They're wider for rentals and also service office rentals and across different sectors as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. But what's interesting is we get about twenty percent of our traffic from abroad. And mm-hmm. it, it, so, and it just—it's—it's it's interesting how that's just grown. You can't go. It just happens. How much do you get from mobile? Um. I can tell you that. I can share. I don't mind sharing that with everyone. Give me one moment, I'm going to show you. I don't mind showing you. I think... uh, Where can I see? Where can I see? Dell. I can't remember how I do it. I I think I've got a... Here we go. Okay, to give you an idea... Actually, it's quite... Actually, that, you're, you're, you've, you've brought us into a very helpful topic for me, which you might find interesting. This, this, this is a client dashboard which we've built within SingEVL, so what we, well, we're, we're very transparent. We like to show people um, exactly the traffic to their particular property, and we like to show them. Look, this is a building we're selling in Bolton, so we like to show people that this, this building, we've had 5,500 people open an email. And you can see all around the world where they're, where people are looking. It's quite amazing really, and mm. this, this is something which a client can log in and see. but I do think I'm pretty sure that we provide here um, are you know, devices here we go. Okay, so about look just under 30 percent is from a, is from a phone or, or a tablet. Okay. So, that's, so, that's, so that's quite a lot, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be mobile-friendly these days. Yeah. So okay, that's quite interesting. I'm not, the other thing I wanted to ask you, if I may, is I noticed that you've got some artificial intelligence on your um, software, it mentions in your, in your information. And I was wondering where that gets used. Um, so
1: uh, artificial intelligence is... Uh, it's probably a bit overused, it's more uh, machine learning. But on the portal, where we build base data from crawling, from crawling uh, mostly agent sites, we use machine learning to clean the data. So to give you an idea, early on when we were building that data set, uh, if you're taking it off a website which is poorly structured, uh, you end up with things like rents ending up in the rates box and rates ending up in the service charge box and the, uh, the data that you're trying to categorize gets very, very muddled. So uh, we use machine learning to improve our crawling processes on, on how that happens. So every time a mistake gets made, it gets flagged. The software learns from it, and it tries not to make the same mistake again. So that's um uh, we basically use it to improve the accuracy of the data on the site over time. Uh, and the accuracy is uh, it's very good now. We can see it's good because we do periodic spot checks, and we also we know it's good anecdotally. But that's that's primarily where we're using machine learning to uh, to clean. Makeup. Okay. All right. Um, but there's other there's quite a lot of yeah. Moving forward, there's quite a lot of other interesting things we can use it for. Um, for example, to make better search recommendations, a classic one which any portal will tell you they're doing is is if I search for four thousand foot of offices in Shoreditch, uh, the, the You can you can use machine learning on what uh, people who do those searches also search for X, and you can start to recommend, say, offices of a similar type on Southbank, just in the same way that Amazon makes product recommendations to you based on what you've historically purchased.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So I'm going to let's let's bring Rob in. Actually, before I do, you it's worth mentioning that you've recently signed uh, a partnership with Coyote and Ollie actually is coming on in a couple of weeks to tell everyone about it, actually, okay. Rob, Rob's involved. So it, what's the um, the rationale behind that? Um, well, so firstly,
1: uh, Ollie and I get on well. Riala and Creative get on well as teams. Um, we've got a mutual respect for each other. Uh, we think their product is fantastic. Um, the products are not overlapping, they're only complementary. So if, if Riala is a kind of top of funnel product to help with your marketing and uh, lead gen into your business, uh, Coyote is a, a very powerful management system uh, for uh, landlords and agents to uh, to manage what's going on in larger portfolios. So there's a, a synergy for a client who's bought both. If they want to see inquiries that are coming into Reala flowing into Coyote, uh, we just provide the link up so that can happen. Um, and I guess philosophically as well, uh, we believe that systems should talk to each other, There should be API linkages between the two, um, if, it, if it improves the client experience. So that's kind of, uh, that's the rationale behind it. Uh, and of course, there's an element of scratching each other's backs so we can introduce Oli and the team to some of our clients and, uh, and, and vice versa
0: okay good right rob where's my yeah. mouse gone there we are right rob let's talk about yes. international property securities exchange shall i show? shall i share okay. on the screen what this looks like here it okay, is thank you right there it is ipsx So,
2: um, background to IPSX, my background is as uh, an investment surveyor over about 30-odd years, very involved with the Investment Property Forum. Um, For many years, uh, the industry has looked for a um, democratization of commercial real estate. Uh, A bit like Riala, it is only commercial real estate that we're looking at and what the ipsx is and in terms of short form a lot of people may take it as a crowdfunding platform it's not it is not a crowdfunding platform it is a new stock exchange effectively to securitize real estate so in our respective careers neil um, if you actually look at the universe which is the property investment universe um when i started it was just pension funds then the life companies came along then we had the american opportunity funds then we had the sovereign world funds but actually um the the retail investor unless they've gone through a managed fund have never been able to buy a share in a specific building and um there have been a few trials historically in terms of actually how you buy into a building if you're a retail investor. And in my memory, there are things like pinks, spots, uh, sack coats, uh, uh, single-asset property vehicles. But there's never been a fully regulated stock exchange um, by the FCA to allow single-asset properties to be listed and securities taken by individual uh, shareholders. So that's what IPSX is all about. Um, For those involved, I've been involved for about two years now, but the journey has been about four years because it's all about regulation and actually creating a security that is tradable to the retail investor. And the exciting thing about it is that if you look at the universe of commercial real estate in the UK, which is about 830 billion, according to the last count, by the ipf and the bpf about 400 billion of that is in um owner-occupied estate and i can't tell you the number of boards that i've been to talking about saving leasebacks where um, <coughs> at the final decision to do a sale in the somebody says we won't sell the crown jewels well if you have a listed market it's quite possible to actually sell of that, and actually access a much wider universe to a wider and different capital source. So the potential is there. As this um, teach-in hangout is about technology, um, the technology allows this market to come forward. And there are various other um, accessibility platforms recently launched like Dabble, where the retail investor can start trading off their smartphones into specific assets. Now these assets, because they are on the primary listing market, have to be of a certain scale. Unless they are 30 million plus, the actual um, uh, regulatory requirements of the independent board is just too expensive. So again, coming back to how you started about your auctions, um, this isn't the universe for all commercial real estate. But it is just an added add-on to actually give a greater uh, visibility to commercial real estate and why now because everybody is looking for yield you know everybody is seeking a better return than the one or two percent they're getting from their national savings so i think the market is huge potentially launch date is uh, third quarter of this year as i say it's taken four and a half years to get the regulation through the financial conduct authority Um, and it just takes real estate commercial real estate which i know you know us in the club talk about alternatives but actually commercial real estate's always been an alternative just a final point i talked about 830 billion which is the universe of commercial real estate our listed sector at the moment is a measly 55 billion of that so reits haven't really done what in uh, 2007 ruth kelly thought they were going to be doing which is actually allowing people to go and buy commercial real estate they're pre- predominantly dominated by the passive funds at the moment
0: so where, where when you say it's going to be listed it's it's not so listed on, it's not listed on the on the stock exchanges this is listed where
2: so this the new stock exchange is ipsx okay that is what ipsx is so you take a single asset of a scale a shopping center a business park um and actually put that into a company the shares in that company are listed and sold to the retail investor
0: daily and they're traded it's on screen daily traded
2: daily traded Um, on screen using the same infrastructure that is currently used by the London Stock Exchange in the primary market. So imagine the ability to go and buy a shareholding, assuming they wanted to do it, in Blue Water. So you shop at Blue Water and you actually want to get a return on your money. You know there is a daily trade position there because it is a listed market and we have market makers that will actually make a trade in it. Whether the pricing they give you is something you want to accept, that's your choice, but it won't be like the open-ended funds that were gated. Gated of the funds was there was a a game that was going on from the professional investors, not the retail investors, who were actually taking their money out at 100 and going into discounted shares in the stock market of a 40% discount. And so the open-ended funds had no option but to gate ipsx is a daily traded market that will remain open will there always be a market there no because if you put something 100 percent on the market you won't be able to sell it because you need a counterparty to do it but this is a stock exchange and it's it's long overdue for commercial real estate
0: okay so just so i'm clear Mm -hmm. you're saying an asset has to be in a company
2: yeah, because effectively, you are securitizing the asset. So,
0: so you, does you, that...
2: You have shares in, in a company.
0: So does that mean that in, comparit- in comparison to a REIT, which is tax transparent, these are, uh, uh, something on the IPSX will not be tax transparent? Is that right? No,
2: quite, quite the reverse, because, and again, this is a different topic, but you will have seen in the, the autumn budget that um, there is a drive to bring the offshore properties onshore yeah um, actually the most efficient way to list on the IPSX will be as a single asset REIT which will make it tra- tax tax tri- transparent and the, the, because it's a regulated and recognized stock exchange many of those offshore vehicles will be looking at the ability to bring onshore those vehicles into single asset REITs.
0: So you can list a REIT on here. Yes. Here. Can I ask a question, Neil? You can ask as many as you like. So. Um, Very interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Rob. I think this is really interesting, and uh, and the obvious, the sort of the really interesting question is is it seems so logical why it hasn't it already happened? But the, um, the the main barrier to me is is. How do you deal with the problems that are inherent with putting a uh, a, a liquid asset uh, or or rather a liquid trading class of shares over the top of an illiquid asset? Um, For example, in a a recession, people have expectations uh, that the asset value might fall. You might have a large number of people trying to sell their shares all at once and and the whole thing could could collapse. How 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 do you deal with that?
2: Okay, so um, the liquidity point is a really good point, and it's normally the mindset that we've all grown up with because of the professional investors. Um, and here we're appealing to if you imagine the universe of investments as a pyramid at the top, you have the professional investors, the pension funds, etc., then you have a whole category of other investors who have never really accessed commercial property. It's bonds, cash, equities. So you've got the private client brokers, you've got the IFAs, uh, just a number which staggers me, you know, uh, uh, currently in cash ISAs, there are nearly 3 trillion pounds. A lot of that cash money doesn't go into commercial real estate because it doesn't have an access. Some of them go Mm -hmm. through funds and at the bottom end of that pyramid, you have the retail investor, the people who can actually go to Hargreaves Landowns. Now to, now to your point. Um, basically, if you invest in any share um, that has a run on it, it will be illiquid. The advantage of having a real asset is that you've got something against that real asset. And the main runs on uh, properties that have occurred in the past have actually been professional investor running for cover so if you or i invested in blue water as i'm just using that as an example um in terms of where it was provided we were still getting our return so we go in there at x percent provided we are still getting our return do we sell at a loss that's our choice at the end at the end of the day uh it's our contention you wouldn't because you are still getting the return and you would wait so it's the retail investor giving stability to the liquidity of the market, because he wouldn't run for cover. It's when the passive funds, who currently control 50% plus, actually say, we're getting out of here, that causes the problem. And that is the mindset. Now, to your point is, why hasn't it been done before? Um, To that is, uh, firstly, the regulatory environment hasn't been there. Um, I don't want to bring up the Brexit word. But the City of London uh, does need to be innovative, just as your business is innovative. And I believe that the support that we're getting from the FCA to allow this to happen now is partly because they actually want to stay front and centre with the product. Lots more to talk about there. But, yeah, interesting. Um, and, and again, you know, you, we're just talking about other platforms, other access. There are a lot of self-trade platforms like um, Aquinity. They have 250,000 private investors there. The last time the equinity platform was used was with the British um, Royal Mail sale. It hasn't been used since. So if you can give a technological platform, which is FCA and um, uh, regulated, it's huge. And to where you are at the moment in terms of data, which is really what you've been talking about and the accessibility of that data, you can imagine we we don't have an index at the moment in commercial real i'm afraid uh, we have the ipd but it's a backward looking individual it's not a real index showing real time pricing so the data that can be thrown off this ipsx exchange is huge and it's a whole a whole different
0: uh, i've got in i've got a point for um, the audience which i think is interesting so when One wants to buy or sell shares in a in a vehicle such as this, a property listed. Rob, yeah, you're going to need an advisor. You're going to need. I mean, you can you can take a decision yourself, but if you're buying significant amounts, significant investment into a large asset, you want some advice on the asset, and you want some advice on whether the shares are good value. And I think mm-hmm. that what, what is going to happen is that I do genuinely believe that the nature of agency is changing so quickly. And I do think that the CEOs of the large firms can, uh, are seeing it and, uh, and are positioning themselves because you can easily see a department within one of the top five specifically run with guys and girls who are giving advice to trade and buy and sell shares in these sort in the vehicles that are listed and they'll you, be using would their think, knowledge
2: you wouldn't would, you have thought so you you would think that's the case i gave a um a present or i chaired a presentation um at uh, the say business school at oxford um and somebody asked me what is the biggest issue with the ipsx and let me tell you it's the establishment the establishment don't like change um, they don't like change in terms of the stuff that Andy, Andy is doing. They don't like data. Generally, uh, IPSX can be perceived as a, as a threat. But I believe your thinking, Neil, in terms of what you've just said, is really where the market is. If you look at research that is required and with MIFID 2 that came into operation in January, the research and analysts um, are finding it very hard I cannot understand why the bigger agents don't embrace this, uh, because it could be a new revenue stream. Forever, research departments have never really made any money. Here's an opportunity that you could do that. But to your point about people asking for research, I think there is a case. But if the sums are relatively small, do you get research advice when you buy your Glaxo share? Do you get research advice when you buy? No, you look at the yield, you look at the rating. You may look at the dividend cover. But actually, the private investor takes a view that if those get ticks, he goes and inspects it. And I believe that's a whole market commercial real estate hasn't gone into yet.
0: Yeah. it's. I mean, I I, I, I think from my feedback, actually, is that the large firms are looking at this sort of – are looking at different revenue streams going forward. Because I gather that um, – KPMG and Deloitte have now got specialist prop tech advisory divisions. So, because if you think about it, who's, who's qualified to advise someone on a prop tech element of of their business? Well, you would have thought someone in property, but I mean, there aren't many property firms that have got technical sides to them, or individuals who are technically minded. So I, I, I think that it's changing, actually. I, I think we'll find, I think you'll find that, that when you go live, I think departments will spring up quite quickly. I yeah, mean, you're
2: right. but I, and I, I expect you are. There will be other players because I think the important thing to remember, and taking your KPMG point, um, who have got a great uh, team there and the research they've done last five years, uh, that team had looked at five thousand tech opportunities. That's what's going on. And to my new because I'm looking forward to my new pair of headphones, I have to say to you, um, <laughs> now we've taken that bet, because they'll probably be as stylish as yours, with racing stripes on. But let me, let me tell you, and again, it's not my quote, it's a Bill Gates quote, everybody overestimates what's going to happen in the next ten, two years, and everybody underestimates what's going to happen in the next 10. So I think that's where we are. And the problem with a lot of tech firms at the moment... Um, is that they're finding it very hard to monetize what they've got in terms of cash flows. And I think the ones that are going to survive are the ones that have got very big, strong parents to allow them to get through the next period. Because once you start charging quite expensively for things, people suddenly uh, stop being subscribers. And I think the monetization piece on technology is huge. IPSX, we will see. Um, we're supported by the regulator. We've got some great investors in the shape of British Land and others. Um, I think it's a, a very exciting time, which is the point you're making, Neil.
0: Do you? Is there is there a stamp paid when you trade a share? Is it going to is it going to be? It's
2: going to be um, no tax. I mean, and the, and that's the beauty of it because the round trip on a commercial property now is over eight per cent, as you know. Whereas if you actually have a share trade, um, you, you, you're not taking that stamp duty every time you've got the small stamp duty element so for the right property and it's not development it's stabilized income producing bond-like property that's what the ipsx is about of a scale 30 million pounds plus but i see a lot of overseas interests and i certainly see investors coming into commercial real estate who have never ever dreamed that they could have a piece of their town hall or a piece of the leisure center or whatever because what are the, a lot of those local authorities at the moment as, as you know are buying real estate and then I think if they can actually democratize that to their communities I think the IPSX offers that flexibility
0: well I suppose it works just like it works just like a company so for example if let's say you've got a property and you need to raise some money to refurbish it you just issue shares uh, and if you don't yeah you have a script issue it's the same sort of thing i would imagine and i would imagine also and an, ide- in it, oh, sorry, in an was...
2: ideal listed you know in an ideal listed property you don't put any gearing in it because if you take gearing out of it you take volatil- volatility out of it
0: yeah i mean it's I mean, you could do this. You could have the same thing in terms of. I suppose somebody might see, might view, the shares are at a discount to value, and just someone might take it private in the same way you take a company private. It, should, it would operate in exactly the same way. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it's fascinating. Have you got many? Have you have you got a lot of? Um, have you got a number of properties lined up for listing?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think it's I think it's fascinating actually.
3: Rob, can, can I ask you? Uh, obviously, this is all completely focused for the uh, the commercial real estate market. Do you do, is your in time? Do you see this being applicable to residential or?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people forget about. Uh, so the answer is yes. A lot of people forget that Ruth Kelly, who was the minister at the time, to when they brought in REITs originally was really putting that paper forward for housing and residential finance. What happened was, um, firstly, a global financial crisis at the beginning of 2007, but actually what happened was that um, the whole residential aspect sort of morphed away and then you've got the listed REITs coming out because it was very tax efficient to actually do it in a wrapper, but... Um, the original concept of the REIT paper that the Berkshire Committee put together was for residential. So where I'm at is that absolutely, if you've got a new stock exchange properly regulated, then it makes sense that the next evolution is into residential. I absolutely get that, especially in you know PRS and build to rent. It strikes me the volumes haven't come through there and will they ever come through? That's uh, another discussion. But if they do come through to actually list it on a dedicated exchange that is not subject to the vagaries of um, the overall stock exchange. So if the overall stock exchange goes down, and and this isn't precise, but let's say the value of the main FTSE 100 is 1.7 trillion, something like that. I tell you, when that moves as a market and you've only got 55 billion in listed REITs, it doesn't matter what the listed REITs are gonna do. They go down. And that's why you've got listed companies ranging, some are at a premium, yes, but, you know, some of those big discounts are 40% to their net asset value at the moment. And why Mm -hmm. and how are they going to deal with that? Now, Mm -hmm. if you could actually put those specific assets and put them on a market where the discount is nowhere near that, you transform the business.
0: Well, I suppose the truth is we actually don't know yet whether, they're, whether actually they're going to trade at <laughs> a discount or a premium anyway. That's for sure. You know, because what, what, I, what I was thinking was that if you buy a share in a company, yes, you're looking at the assets of the company, but you're also a, a property company, that is. But also you do look at the management team. I mean, you, you know, we, we're, we've been in the game for a while. You know, the individuals, you know, some that you're back and some you won't back. And yeah. I, I would imagine part of the, um, uh, the proposition when you list a property is there must be some sort of management structure in place to look after it. Yes, and, there is.
2: And again, there is a board of directors that actually look after the asset management company. But, but to your point, you don't really – and with all due respect, Neil, and I, I don't really understand where land securities are, I know my shares are at a discount at the moment, but in terms of everything that's off ship balance sheet, the JV yeah. funding, you can't do that analysis. But if you take a specific asset, a Broadgate, a Blue Water, the shopping centre you go to, your leisure centre, you know how it's run as an investor because you're using the facilities. And that's what will inform your buying element. So I think from a listed entity point of view, and again, there's a whole topic on how much it costs to run some of those listed companies, well-documented by Mike Pru of Jeffers. Um, You know, it's a really difficult gig to have in a low-growth economy, low-inflation economy at the moment. So I think yeah. if you can strip some of that out for the right sort of properties, that's the exciting thing.
0: Well, I think that what you touched on something earlier and about accessing the private investor. My view is the world is so much smaller than it ever was and the we've seen it just in in our little part of the game of selling properties we have cross-border interest all the time so i see a very it's very simple for someone in australia or america to buy some shares in a building and they can they don't have to fly over and research the market they have to do it straight away i i think there's a huge cross-border market is this happening anywhere else no no, you no. Know, I think it's, I think if it works, it, w- it will um, surely fly, it'll fly sure. to different markets.
1: What's happening in residential, Rob Because there's quite a few crowdfunding platforms there for residential properties. Are there any you particularly admire or you, you think there's something to learn from?
2: So, uh, the reason why I started out, and I'll answer the question, Andy. Um, I started out by saying this is not a crowdfunding platform. All we're doing is providing a market. You then have to do a prospectus to list your entity. But to yeah. your question, um, I'm a, I, I certainly, and a lot of it is residential, I think the invest platform, Christian Faye's platform, is, is very neat. Just going back to his funding, he's just put out his retail bonds. he's had a super response to five and a quarter percent, um, and I think that model is, is very good. And I think some of the banking platforms that are out there now very interesting in terms of where they're at. Um, the problem with all of them is uh, clearly if you want to trade your position um, halfway through the term of that loan in the shape of LendInvest, then you may get a match bargain, but most people are locked in for the term. That's the problem with them. And the other aspect is, you know, uh, well, no, that's it, on lending,
0: Okay. Okay, guys, um, I've got actually I've got a, I've got a question for you, Rob, that's been sent in. Do you know a chap called Jonathan Corrin?
2: I do. Yes.
0: Okay, so Jonathan's actually sent X, in a
2: question. X ex James James Lang. Yes, cool and he's he asked
0: me to ask you, is it true you're only taking part in Singerville's Google Hangout today to ensure you have enough hours for your CPD um, requirements?
2: Jonathan, it was always incredibly insightful. Um, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right, guys, look, there's nearly an hour. Um, I think that's great i've always got a topic i'd like to cover i always like to talk i was going to talk about icos today in cryptocurrency but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another time i think that's great that's really interesting anyone else got any questions or comments to each other or oh there's one thing actually i want to ask you andy because rob you touched on it do you find now that the way rob is talking about free data and people wanting uh, information for free do you find that people don't want to pay for your service
1: uh, no, in a nutshell, but let me um, so let me cover that with saying Our portal is free to use, uh, so we're not trying to monetize it. We provide it as a resource to help sell other parts of the platform, uh, and then our, our software product really provides an efficiency and a marketing benefit, so that's what people are paying for. People are paying for a, a better way of marketing and a better way of managing transactions that saves them a a huge amount of time. Um, So they're not not paying for data per se. Um, Specific, kind of more generally, talking beyond Riala, uh, I think over time, yes, more and more data does become free. Um, What people will pay for probably goes down. Uh, A great example is various government sources like the land registry are on a general trend to uh, make their data much more transparent. Um, Kind of a lot of that's tied back to the Freedom of Information Act. So you can expect kind of a lot more data to get surfaced over the next few years, and a lot more commercial property data to get surfaced. So uh, the ability to charge for just the data goes down. Uh, What what becomes valuable is what you do with the data. It's how people uh, manage the data and analyze it, and the insights that they draw out of it. That's, that's where the value is. Hmm. Um, you talk about big data, you know, what does that mean? Like, who cares? But it's what you do with the big data and the insights you draw out of it and then how you use those insights to run your business better.
0: That That's the valuable bit. Okay. All right, great. All right, guys, Well, look. Two o'clock. CPD question. Ah, no, we've had the CPD question, Dale. Have we? Yes, my CPD question, everyone, is what did Jonathan Corrin ask Rob Bold? That's there. There's my question. Oh, okay. it's, it's all very clever. It's all, very, it's all pre-planned, you know. It doesn't just happen. Okay, guys, listen. Thank you so much, uh, Andy. Thank you so much, Rob. It was so interesting. Was I wish you both um, much success with what you're doing. Anyone watching, you. if you want an introduction to Andy about Riala, and you'd like to trial it, and you want to see how it works, let me know. I'll put you in direct touch with um, Andy, the boss. So you'll get special treatment. If you want to know anything about IPSX, if you've got a building of 30, 40 million quid that you want to list, I'm sure Rob is ready for you. So
2: bigger, bigger,
0: bigger. Yeah, and we'll take, take, I'm sure we can agree a fee for the introduction. Anyway, so. But in all seriousness, if anyone's interested, just talk to Rob out of your if interest or if you've got any uh, comments or you want to help. Again, please come through us. We'll put you in direct contact. And let's. You know, it's all about collaboration these days. So, guys, thank you very much indeed. That's been a really interesting, you, really interesting. And um, let's have a nice weekend, everyone. So on that note, nearly two o'clock. Thank you very much for watching.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay,
0: thank Bye.